Welcome to r slash ask reddit where people answer the question, what a child that is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth story do you have? Our next reply is from playing poker with God. One of my friends from elementary school is the typical middle child. His brother is 11 years older and his sister is 5 years younger. So, of course, he faces all the actual consequences for his other siblings' actions. He has to deal with rules that he doesn't like because of stuff his brother did when his brother was a kid. And if his sister did something stupid, it's his fault because he should have stopped her. His wants and needs were never the priority. If he wanted money, tough luck because it went to his brother in college. If he wanted friends to come over, no, because his sister already had people coming over. He had to wear his brother's old clothes, but of course, his sister got new clothes. Yada yada, you get the picture. When he was 16, he went out on a late night food run, and while waiting in the drive-thru, someone rear-ends him pretty hard. This does a not insignificant amount of damage to his parents' car. The other driver takes full responsibility and offers to pay for the repairs. It's just an unfortunate accident. Well, his parents revoke his car privileges. Because he got into an accident and they had a no accidents policy. It doesn't matter that it wasn't his fault. So he told them that if they took away his car privileges, he would never lend them anything for the rest of his life. They grounded him for saying that. That was about a decade ago, and he has never once given them anything. No money, no car, not even housing. He literally made his parents get a hotel once. He said that he would forgive them if they apologized. But to my knowledge, they have not apologized. By the way, his sister was involved in a car accident a few years back where she was at fault. And her parents not only paid for the repairs to her car, but are also helping her pay for the car insurance now. Our next reply is from Ouija. I was lied to by HR, and it led to me not getting a promotion. So, basically, I put them in a position where I couldn't be replaced. Then, I screwed up the Excel codes that I made for them that saved managers six hours of time a day. Then, I didn't correct a problem that I knew would incur the company high fines, since technically it's not my job. Then, I quit. $700,000 in fines, nobody trained to do scheduling, department without anyone to run it, and additional work for the managers was the damage. I started getting calls to help them fix it. I'm sure you can imagine how well that went for them. So the lesson here is, don't mess with the Excel spreadsheets guy, I guess? Our next reply is from Calidus. I met this kid while in junior high. I knew him in his first year of high school, back in like 1979. Remember the movie Carrie? Well, he had that kind of mother as his mother. He was super religious and had to pray multiple times a day. He carried a large Bible with his school books. He wore old-fashioned formal clothes, a 1950s-style haircut, and horn-rimmed glasses. His mother punished him because she saw us talking when he got off the school bus. I guess I didn't pass the friend standard. He was so unsocialized and awkward. He was grateful to speak with anyone, and I didn't make fun of him. I guess it got to be too much. He didn't come back to school for the sophomore year. I later learned that while his mother was sleeping, he doused her with gasoline and set her and the bed on fire. She lived and they just disappeared and I never heard from him again. Whoa, what? How did she not die? Oh, and in absolutely true Reddit fashion, we have a firefighter in the comments below. He says, More often than not, the cause of death in a burning victim is from damage sustained to the lung and airway. 
Ooh, this is a pretty gruesome description, but uh, ugh. he goes on to explain that, oh God, I got to summarize this. Basically, this firefighter theorizes that this woman was probably too busy screaming in agony and horror to inhale enough hot smoke to die from it. Our next reply is from Fire Ice. One of my friends in high school was a major overachiever. He stayed at school or work as much as possible, to the point where he might have spent less than an hour at home each day. He would always deflect questions about his home life, but confided in me that it was bad. Calling him the black sheep of the family would be a major understatement. His family had some money, not millionaire or billionaire, but better off than most. And they told him ever since elementary school that he would always be useless and never amount to anything. Now, he's making bank after getting through college and finding a bomb job with a big pharmaceutical company. Meanwhile, his father's company that's been in the family for a few generations got picked apart by the government. Someone tipped off the IRS that the dad was lying on taxes, hiring immigrants for next to nothing, hiding OSHA violations, and much more. As the dust was settling and the damage was really being seen, my buddy drove to his former family home and dropped off a file. This is the same file that he gave to an attorney to give to the government and only said, who won't amount to anything? Oh man, that one, that feels like its own r slash pro revenge post right there. Our next reply is from Superbal. A guy I went to high school with burned the bridge with his entire family. We weren't best friends, more of a friend of a friend type of situation, so my info is a lot of hearsay. But I do know some things for certain. He was a middle child with an older sister and a younger brother. His parents owned a diner that had been in the family for a few generations. It was an unspoken rule that the kids of each generation would help out when they were little and eventually take it over to keep it in the family. The problem was that none of the kids wanted anything to do with it. That didn't stop either of his parents though. They would joke about how the kids didn't need to worry about college or moving away and all of that would be taken care of when they would run the diner. The sister, being the oldest, was the first really pressured into it, but he and his brother told her to get out and don't look back. And don't let them guilt trip you either. So she did. She went to college on a sports scholarship and then moved a few states away. She occasionally visits, but basically left the town in her rearview mirror. Then it was this guy's turn, but unfortunately he didn't have the money to get away. So his parents tell him to go to community college and work at the diner to save money. This is where the issue started. The younger brother doesn't go to college and decides to go couch surfing and backpacking across the country for a few years. He would occasionally come back to work for a few weeks when he needed the money, only to take off again. So my friend gets left running the diner, despite swearing that he never would. I'd see him around sometimes at bars, and he was a bitter shell of his former self with a bad drinking problem and a series of failed relationships. His parents didn't seem to care that their son was a depressed alcoholic so long as their family legacy stayed the same. He confided in me how they were pushing him to get married and give them grandkids, to just settle down and let go of this silly dream he has of starting over when he has the diner. And given how absolutely drunk he was in nearly every interaction I had with him, it's impressive that he was able to run it at all. His brother and sister couldn't be bothered to come help, and in fact, they started to agree with the parents that he should just cut his losses and make this life work for him. One day, he just drops off the face of the earth. 
Nobody sees or hears from him for three weeks. His parents say that he went on vacation, but they also hadn't heard from him. Then, suddenly, he's back in town, seemingly in much better spirits, looking healthier than we'd seen him in years. About two months later, the diner is torn down and replaced with some other business. As it turns out, his girlfriend at the time gave him an ultimatum. Quit the drinking and go to therapy, or we're done. So, he does. And the therapist points out the obvious things causing his depression, and that he should take a vacation and figure out what else he wants to do with his life. The guy went to Vegas, partied for two weeks, and admittedly thought about unaliving himself. After getting it out of his system, he devises a plan to sell the diner and pocket the money for himself. Everything was in his name as the owner anyway, so it was pretty easy. He took the best offer he could and used the money to leave town. The brother and sister didn't get a dime, and the parents were already retired. He moved to the other side of the country with his now wife, and we follow each other on social media, but he seems much happier. Apparently, he hasn't spoken a word to his family in years, nor are they to him, and he doesn't intend to start. Man, that wife of his is a keeper. Sounds like she saved his life either literally or metaphorically by sparing him a lifetime of misery and bitterness. Our next reply is from eponymous titular. Jim moved to my school in fifth grade. He was socially awkward, but you could tell that he wanted to have friends. But for some reason, he was a complete social pariah. Was it because of his weight? Honestly, I don't know. It's not like he was the only big boy in school, but for some reason, Jim got singled out and he was tormented mercilessly. I'll give Jim credit, he took it. But how could that not get to him? Still, he took it for years. Finally, one kid went too far. In eighth grade, some butthole accidentally spilled his lunch all over Jim. Jim was sitting by himself, of course, and Randy thought that it would be funny to humiliate Jim in the cafeteria. That particular day, the school had served something messy, like chicken fried steak or spaghetti or something like that for lunch. Something that gets everywhere if you spill it. And spill it, Randy did, all over Jim. And Jim just snapped. I mentioned that Jim was heavy, and what that translated to, apparently, was immense physical strength. Nobody had been paying attention to all those times in P.E. when Jim would climb the little rope thing without using his legs to pull himself up. He was a powerhouse. And Randy poked the bear one time too many. By the end, Randy's face was a mess of blood and bruises. Jim gave Randy exactly as much mercy as everyone had given him, which is to say, absolutely zero. Randy's parents filed a lawsuit against the school district, but I have no idea what came out of that. All I know is that Jim and Randy were never seen at that school again. The teachers and principals all understood what Jim was up against. There's no way they didn't know how miserable he was, but school is a lot like a prison. The people in authority don't actually care what happens to you. All they want is for your trouble to stay off of them. As long as you don't make your problems their problems, they're fine with whatever. So Jim was left to twist in the wind, as victims always are. A few years after graduation, Jim was in the news. He had robbed a convenience store and then was shot to death by the cops. The news coverage mentioned a troubled childhood filled with violence, but I was around for a good bit of his childhood. And on my watch, except for one occasion, the trouble and violence were completely one-sided. 
Jim couldn't even get a fair deal in death. Even the news media had to pile on. Our next reply is from Poe Girl. When working at a daycare, I had a pair of boys in my class, Matt and John. John was trash. He was violent, awful, foul-mouthed, uncooperative, and frankly, just not cut out for daycare. This kid was a budding psychopath. He never acted like this around anyone but me. He was a huge favorite among the staff that didn't work with him so much, so they thought that I lied about or exaggerated his behavior until the day that he stabbed me. Now, the other kid, Matt, was the burn the village boy. God, he was the one that everyone said was misbehaved, but like John, his behavior with me was completely different. I treated Matt the way I treated all my kids, and I found him to be cheerful, helpful with younger kids, bright, and eager to learn new things. I considered the fact that I was the first teacher to engage with Matt in a positive way, and also the first ever to tell John no and enforce rules with him. Shortly after I stopped working there, I heard from a former coworker that there had been an incident. Apparently, everything went back to the status quo where everyone spoils John and acts like he's perfect while treating Matt like he had already done something wrong. There was a massive blow-up between Matt and John, and from what I heard, Matt basically hulked out and trashed the place. My heart broke for him. He just wanted attention and structure and absolutely thrived with it. John needed discipline and structure of a different kind, but instead was coddled and enabled. The results were inevitable. I'm just sad that it resulted in Matt getting kicked out. I hope he landed at a new school with teachers who actually cared about him. Also beneath that, people asked OP about, yo, what happened with the stabbing? You can't just gloss over that. And OP explains, I quit immediately after I got stabbed. I just shouted to my boss that I was taking off, showed him my arm, and left. So this is hearsay, but apparently the daycare called his mom and showed her the footage of what happened. And despite the fact that I had my back to him, she still claimed that I provoked him somehow. He cried and she promised him ice cream and was all, poor baby, the whole way out the door. Based on what I know about the mom, I believe it. Our next reply is from Catalyst. Growing up, our neighbors had two boys, a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old. The younger son had a good friend who would stay at their house very frequently. The friend was always pretty quiet and kept to himself. Except when he was with his friend, the other 10-year-old, he could be himself. One day, I found out that the friend was permanently moving in with my neighbors due to an unsafe situation at the friend's home. Apparently, the poor kid got to watch his mother be murdered by her boyfriend all over drugs right in front of him. Luckily, my neighbor stepped up and offered to take him in, which was actually great for everyone. He really started to blossom and became pretty stable, with one caveat. He did not take any flack from anyone. This leads us to our terrific act of rebellion. Like everyone else in our neighborhood, we rode the bus home. This kid was riding home from elementary school when the bus driver started going off on the kids for real or imagined indiscretions. Well, this kid takes offense to this and speaks up on behalf of the rest of the kids. The bus driver, now royally pissed off, tells this kid, One more word and I'm kicking you off the bus. Well, you're correct in your assumption of what transpired next. The kid gets kicked off the bus, which royally pisses him off, so cue malicious compliance. The kid walks off the bus and immediately walks in front of the bus. 
We were about one mile away from our normal stop on our street, and this was a two-lane road with sporadic oncoming traffic. There is no way the driver could get around this kid, so the bus driver had to drive at this kid's walking pace until we got to our street. Our parents were wondering where everyone was because we were now like 30 minutes late, and overall, they were very amused when they discovered the cause. Our next reply is from a spoiler dude get wrecked. A kid who was relentlessly bullied at my school for years sued the district and got an upper six-figure settlement. He had years of documentation of going to the principal, teachers, counselors, even the superintendent. They all either did nothing or made empty promises that they didn't keep. He had documentation for all of it. The highlight was when the lacrosse team jammed a lacrosse stick up his butt, not once, but twice. And the only consequence was one of the kids being suspended for two days. And OP clarifies, this isn't a rural school in the Deep South. It's a suburban school located in a liberal part of New York. Alright, geez. Based on that type of bullying, seems like the school district got off easy by an upper six-figure settlement. Our next reply is from Alexander Nevsky. I run a support group for sexually victimized and abused young men, and one time I had one of our members share what happened to him. I'm not going into the finer details of it, but the broad stroke is that he was being victimized by a teacher's assistant. He went to other teachers, school administrations, even the cops. No one believed him, and he even got punished for making it up to get a staff member in trouble. It destroyed his personality. He became bitter, resentful, spiteful, and generally hateful of other people. He was improving his demeanor in the group, but from what he tells us, he just wanted to watch the world die at the time. A couple years later, that same teacher's assistant tripped down the stairwell in one of the side hallways of the school, and he happened to be nearby. He saw that she was badly injured and likely had broken bones and was bleeding from her head. Instead of helping her, he literally stepped over her and pretended that she wasn't there. Security footage showed that he wasn't the one to push her, but when asked why he didn't say anything or get help, he simply said that the last time he tried to tell people about something involving her, no one helped, so why would they this time? Yo, the guy pulled a Batman. I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you. That was r slash ask reddit, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new reddit podcast episodes every single day.